0: all about MFTs and schools. How do you connect, network, and say systemic while working in a school-based practice? We'll also feature the Family Therapist in Schools Topical Interest Network, part of the AAMFT's new initiative, the new AAMFT featuring member choice. If you're interested in a special interest network, you can pick whether that at the beginning of your Membership cycle or whether you join midstream. And who better to talk about MFTs in schools than the chair of the Family Therapists in Schools Topical Interest Network, Dr. Kathy Laundy. Kathy is a licensed psychologist and a clinical fellow in the AAMFT with over 40 years' experience. In her private practice, she is a strong believer in collaborating and working systemically with the educational system. She's built and consults regularly with school systems agencies and other groups serving children and families. She is the author of Building School-Based Collaborative Mental Health Teams, A Systems Approach to Student Achievement. She's going to talk to us about her work and the member benefits of belonging to the Family Therapist in Schools Special Interest Network. Okay, so pleased to be joined by Kathy Londie on the AMFT podcast, and we're going to talk about mfts in schools today uh kathy first question is always because you have different backgrounds social work psychology but you are also very loyal to mft so your origin story how you got involved in nft and then specifically your uh involvement with mfts in
1: schools okay well, it's great to be here, Eli, thank you. Um, I was, before I was uh, a social worker, I was a special education teacher and have, uh, throughout my clinical life, um, have, been, have worked with people with special needs and its effects on their families. Um, and so I was working as the first school social worker in Waterford, Connecticut, back in the 1970s. And I started going, there was a, um, an inpatient psychiatric hospital, private hospital, nearby um, and they had these strange new speakers that we could come to listen to for 30 bucks a month. So I met Carl Whitaker, I met Salvador Minuchin. I met Paul Watzlawick, Peggy Papp, um, many other uh, folks over the course of a year, and then had the mo- the wonderful opportunity to go and sit with Peggy for a year to become um, a clinical member of AAMFT. So it was really that that work um, in social work that that segued me too in, into family therapy, um, and so I was also I also then had a private practice, and so. Um, continued going to conferences. And then I got involved with our state organization and then got involved with AAMFT. So, and what I found was that um, MFTs were just more fun at gatherings. Um, and it has to do, I think, with our systemic orientation. You know, I, I really enjoy the liveliness of the conversations. Um, and I think it's it's a it's a, a young um, and really vibrant organization.
0: Yeah. And it- what a clinically rich experience that must have been seeing these first-generation family therapists these pioneers uh and you know your story is um not unique to many social workers who then saw this micro work uh and you know their knowledge of the macro as always says influenced their micro but then when they found mft and they thought systemically they really could think no other way. So yeah, but you started in schools, uh, and you had one foot in schools, one foot in private practice. When you think of where MFTs were when you started with AMFT and in the discipline and where we are now, what do you think are some of the biggest changes, Kathy, in as far as access to schools? Uh, MFTs being recognized in, as a legitimate a uh, set of uh, legitimate mental health providers in a setting like that. What what has been the biggest changes over the last forty years?
1: Okay. Well, when I first came to Waterford as their first school social worker, I worked for seven different schools, and it was very much a Rorschach shock that each of the schools were unique, were very different, had very different needs, and I was fascinated with the systemic implications of it. So, um, I that that really is what helped ground me. Um, uh, into thinking systemically. Uh, and at that time, Public Law 94-142 had been established on the on the aftermath of the civil rights legislation to guarantee um, education for all children. And that Special Education Act, which was really based on more um, individual, linear kinds of models, um, individual diagnosis, uh, was what um, I was hired to help institute um, in the Waterford system. And so I think what's happened dramatically since then, since the No Child Left Behind Act, um, is that the three-tiered system, the multi-tiered systems of support has really emerged across the country um, and is being implemented in different ways. It has been a perfect opportunity for systemically trained clinicians to join school systems and other systems. I also trained as a medical family therapist about 25 years ago. Um, and so the in medicine, we were just beginning to penetrate medical systems as well, and so I took some of those ideas when managed healthcare came into Connecticut and eviscerated our ability to collaborate. Um, I went back to schools because I had been—I um, had always consulted with schools, did a lot of testing, psychological evaluations, and um, I—they I, didn't know much about marriage and family therapy, and it has been a continued constraint for many school administrators to to understand that marriage, um, the marriage part of MFT, is really, uh, um, it's an integral part of our our practice, but many administrators don't see it as a relevant thing to practice in schools. But what I have found is that as No Child Left Behind created all these wonderful multi-tiered systems of support that systemically trained creative MFTs, just like the founders of our profession, began penetrating schools in different ways, working with janitors, Uh, to get a room, Uh, working with school secretaries to be able to to connect with uh, various kinds of programs and to create various kinds of programs, and then to work with administrators uh, to create whole school sorts of interventions. Um, like the wonderful stuff that Dan- Diane Gayhart and other people are doing here at the conference talking about social and emotional learning. Um, and I think I think that, that uh, there is more acceptance now. Uh, we've made some headway into thinking more systemically about how to help kids, how, how to prepare them to learn. Um, we've learned a lot more about the etiology of um, some of the things that make like trauma, uh, the adverse childhood experiences that kids have. Um, there is more knowledge available these days um, and there's some wonderful um, events like um, Nadine Burke Harris's work as Surgeon General in California has worked with the governor to create um, a system of early identification much like we do with medical disorders in kids and it's based Based on the ACEs program, and so universal screening is something that is is starting to happen. Um, and so I think it's it's a perfect time for for marriage and family therapists to be joining schools. I think there's more availability uh, of clinicians. I think there's more acceptance of mental health, and I think there we're graduating more people, so um, more folks are getting ready to be joined with schools.
0: You know, I wanted to talk to you not only because you're. The leader of this mft in schools interest network through amft that we're going to talk about later in the hour but just because you are really on the forefront and a pioneer in this advocacy uh, of letting people know what the profession is my first experience i've been in the field 20 years was in um, uh, at the family institute at northwestern university i always spend half of my week in a, in a traditional mft clinic And then the other half of the week, we'd go to a school in Cabrini Green. And most people, if you don't know about Chicago, is one of the most infamous housing projects. And this was a school attached. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is not what I thought MFT was. But then in some ways, you know, we'd work with one part of the system, usually the student. And then our job was to outreach and to really let the community and the families know. And I remember working so hard to push and try to expand the system. But in many ways, systemically trained therapists are a perfect fit for that type of school environment how do you help people that don't know mft know this is a good fit because many times for a school position you'll see a school social worker a school counselor an mft could fill that position but it's not in the job description they don't even say that how have you in your advocacy work helped uh, these larger stakeholders, school systems, uh, um, and the like, understand what we are as a profession?
1: Okay, good question. Um, as a faculty member at Central Connecticut State University, um, I helped develop the curriculum to prepare uh, at student MFTs for practice in schools, and um, one of the first, first things I always say to the students is that you have to remember that you are a guest in the school system, that um, what schools are about is education, and what traditional Mental health um, clinicians do is work in clinics, work in private practices, where the goal is doing therapy to help the person function uh, better. And so um, to be able to understand what's what school's culture is about. And I'm now combining um, a lot of the work about cultural humility and Paul Vaclavic's uh, strategic family therapy um, to begin to one down ourselves um, to be to be able to join school systems. And then that's that's one thing that, that we work very hard with students about. Um, I I find that, um, as one of my former students said, um, that MFTs are much harder to supervise than other mental health groups because of our systemic thinking, Um, and particularly new folks um, don't know where to start, which level to start with. And so what I I always approach it um, with is um, an interest in what my students' skills are, what their strength, um, and, and knowing that a lot of it is serendipity. For instance, I was hired as this first school social worker. They had just built the complex uh, for the administrators, for the superintendent. It's my office was right next door to the superintendent. He had a daughter that was close to my age, um, and he was um, and she had just, um, she was my age, so she had left home and was launching just as I was. So he and I formed, and he ended up asking me what I wanted to do in the school. Um, what they were struggling with, what that school system was struggling with, was the aftermath of the Vietnam War and the heroin they had come into the communities, um, and the marijuana that people were smoking, the kids were smoking. So um, it was more drug-related. But what we found was that in those six elementary schools, the, the needs were all very different. Some of them had to do with with teachers. Some of it had to do with a large segment of the population experiencing trauma. Um, each school was really different. So what I um, what I work with students and MFTs, and when I supervise them about schools, it's about being humble about the system and curious about the systems that that we are joining in schools because everyone is different. And then latching on to what the needs of that system are.
0: Yeah, you got to... Join the system before you can change the system. That's right. So uh, that's it. I like how you said that. Um, sometimes when I'm supervising is a teaching in a program that has a housed within a school of social work, so students are learning to be, uh, will be eventually licensed clinical social workers and licensed marriage and family therapists. One of the challenges in supervising that uh, in a setting like that is the, the student learns all these MFT theories and then they're just working, they're trying to be a family therapist with one person in the room and they're trying to expand. How do I get the parents involved? How do I... How how do I use my MFT training, what do you think some of the biggest challenges are for being, especially as we we'll have a lot of students and preclinical fellows listen to this podcast, uh, someone that's placed in a school setting and trying to be their systemic best and do family therapy in addition to individual work with the student. What do you think some of the biggest challenges are in working in a setting like we're talking about?
1: Okay. Well, I think depending upon the age of the student, um, of the, the, the um, budding clinician, learning just sitting with all the variables, all the systemic variables that, that contribute to student functioning, to uh, system functioning in education, um, and developing a level of comfort with all those variables, and then enough um, with looking looking at the system and looking what each particular system's needs are. Um, I find that, that one of the biggest challenges is just the anxiety about where do I start. So um, in the book that I wrote about to, to help students um, adjust to schools and work in schools, we, uh, we develop, um, along with my students, developed this model called the LOGS model, and it's called the Longitudinal Overview of Growth in Systems. And it's like um, Brenner's. Um, uh, many people have come up with very systemic circles, level of circles, and this is a bullseye of circles, um, but it looks like a log because it's also got longitudinal um, aspects to it based on the family's life cycle, where they are and where the child is um, within the system. And so what we do is various exercises. Um, with the students to help them identify which level of the system seems to be presenting as the strongest need and how that can match with that particular student's talents. So it's it's really uh, getting to that place on the LOGS model, figuring out where to end, and then how to track as the needs change. As we know systemically, we fix one element and something else uh, presents itself often. Or the solutions at one stage of a child's life, um, say a child with special needs, um, that gets gets those needs mediated and then wants to launch into summer camp and the parents don't want to let the child go because they're fearful um, because the protection that works so well um, is now getting in the way of them letting their child launch so um, it's it's really grounding students I think um, in in what systems theory is about and how it can match what needs emerge in a school system
0: yeah some Uh, student therapist housed in uh, therapist and training housed in school settings will say hey I can't do what I'm learning about in the textbooks and supervision and it's like you said it's kind of learning the system and it's hanging around getting in touch with the stakeholders which in the school is uh it could be the teachers, and that's who that makes the referrals. Or it could be the administration. And another common frustration is how you reach out to parents, but right? especially a parent says, "Well, I don't into family therapy. You're seeing my kid at school, and that's fine, but I don't really want to be involved." What do you tell people using your model, and how do you train uh, therapists to reach out to expand the system to parents, especially reluctant parents that, depending on your school setting, may be wary of mental health and may not even want you to see their. Child.
1: Well, I'll start to respond um, by uh, uh, with a comment that my mother said to me when I went north and became a therapist. What she said to me is, honey, is there a call for that kind of thing up there? Um, and this was a woman with two degrees who was an educator um, and did not understand mental health. She I think She was a skeptic. Yes, <laughs> she was. Although she really was very supportive of my education, but then when I started to use it, it was a challenge. Um, but part of it, it was that I, I went so far north. I think was part of the issue. <laughs> but um, um, I, I think that that it's um, it is it is a challenge. Um, it, trying to figure out where we fit um, and particularly when what we're trained about doesn't match exactly what we're what we're learning but again that's where I use the logs model with my students um, and encourage my, my supervisors that I supervise to do to um, begin to look longitudinally over the course of a person's career that so much about learning is figuring out um, where you fit now and how you can be of service uh, which is very different um, I'll give you an example when again when I was a school social worker um, one of the things that I found uh, complex is that that when I worked with with middle-aged and closer to retirement teachers and administrators I would sometimes get the feeling that they would look at me as though well what do you know you know, you haven't lived long, you just don't know. Um, and how that has really evolved since, and particularly since my hair turns white, has turned white, <laughs> that a lot, of, a lot of people listen to things that they didn't before. So some of it's a developmental thing, I think, for students. And that's, that's what I tell students, too, that, that over time, you might be able to use this part of what, you use, what you've learned and what you like. And it's, it's about putting all that together. Um, because learning doesn't stop
0: when you when you think of the kind of training we do in programs. so I mean I I don't think I ever had a lecture 20 years ago about MFTs in schools. I I think I learned by doing it in in Cabrini Green and having good supervision. But as far as from an education perspective, obviously we we have your book, which is great, and you at your program in Connecticut are are training people that way. But what do we need to do as a profession, um, co-empty programs as far as training students to be in school settings?
1: One of the things that I've always loved about AAMFT was is its pioneering spirit, and especially as we've developed these topical interest networks and geographical interest networks as AAMFT is reorganized we are again looking at new what's new we are um, now branching out into medicine into military work into schools doing trauma Um, we've got um, technology that is a huge force um, in all of the ways that we practice Um, and so I, I think that that so much of what this young profession is about is youth still. Um, And if indeed we are going to evolve and really move um, and do second order change uh, with people, I think that we really have to stay open about that. Um, What I often say to people is that, um, especially people interested in schools where I do most of my supervision, Um, I say that if you are looking for a predictable job where um, you know what the parameters are and you know exactly what the expectations are, don't come to schools because um, these newer areas really call for curiosity, humility, um, creativity, um, and major um, flexibility with systems thinking. So um, I think that, um, that that is certainly the advice that I give younger folks coming into the field now, that I think it's what's wonderful. Is that it's it's like starting your own business or learning to do something new, like water ski or um, fly, or uh, that um, that that it really is a new thing, and that and to be comfortable with that anxiety about about uh, starting new things.
0: You also have experience not only advocate advocating for MFTs in schools, uh, you know, nationally, locally, but also internationally. Tell us about what you've learned from that and uh, your project you've been involved with at
1: Oxford? Oxford um, Symposium is a wonderful group that's meeting, been meeting for about 20 years in England. It was started by um, Brian Gerard, who was a counseling psychologist at University of San Francisco, and is now blossomed into um, a wonderful international group of people who meet together once a year, um, either in Oxford, England, at the university, or next year we're going to Venice we've been to Hong Kong we've been to different different countries but all these people are interested that that attend um, are interested in what they call school-based family counseling and um, what um, is it's an invited conference. There are about 25 people that come to it. And the rule is that if you come to the conference, you present. So it becomes a very intimate group. We um, stay in the dorms just like the students do there um, and spend a week of collaborating about what's going on around the world. Um, and my my dream for working with our topical interest network with AAMFT is to link up what we are doing here in the States with what's going around the world and indeed that's beginning to happen this year I met um, a wonderful young woman from um, Cal State uh, Los Angeles who was a student of Michael Carter's and Emily has done some fabulous work with some of the Los Angeles communities about doing marriage and family therapy in schools Um, and so we're going to have her be one of our our speakers in our zoom workshops that we are recording for AMFT and another woman is from Birmingham who is a counselor Um, and so um, she's going to talk about how she has worked with some impoverished communities Uh, we're going to record her work next year and so for me it also um, really um, nurtures my interest in multidisciplinary collaboration um, because I think if our six licensed professions work together more collaboratively we'll have more clout in healthcare and we'll have more clout in each of these topical interest networks that we're developing.
0: Let's talk about the Topical Interest Network. So MFT in schools, uh, you are the chair. And let's talk about the goals. And you, again, now in our new AMFT, where member choice is uh, the preference. If you choose to check the box and pay your money for MFTs in schools, interest network, what benefits will you get? How can you join? So let's talk about
1: it. I I find really uh, just fascinating just fascinating particularly with our new young people that are coming up in our field um is to be able to link up people in Washington state with people in um upstate Wisconsin with people in Florida to talk about initiatives that are going on um i i just spent the hour before i came up here with a couple of colleagues who um i want to link up with the people that we met in Oxford so it's 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 a real exchange of information it's a cross-fertilization and um, uh, with the, the kind of technology, the Zoom technology that we're using with AAMFT, it's, it's, it's just really lovely that people in our more rural areas, especially our uh, entrepreneurs who are starting new initiatives with schools, uh, it's, it's just a, a very, very rich way of connecting with what's going on in the rest of the country. So it's the cross-fertilization, um, and that's, that's what people get access to. Uh, there is a, um, a forum uh, that, where we can communicate and introduce ourselves um, from around the country uh, we do and uh, f- um, we'll be doing at least four uh, zoom workshops a year where we tap some of the talents um, we have. we're um, we had a wonderful um, interview with Kimberly Welk who is an LMFT from Wisconsin upstate rural Wisconsin who also has a background in business and through her private practice has contracted with six different schools to do innovative and unique work in each of those six schools um, and who would have thought <laughs> but well,
0: I'm glad you mentioned that real quickly because I think sometimes people think oh I'm an MFT in a school that means I can't do other things and m- many MFTs and that I know in school settings they consult. They have some extra outside practice. Uh, just being in a school is not as limiting as people might think.
1: Oh, not at all, not at all. Um, one of the, uh, um, the two of the women uh, that I met at Oxford, um, one is in Birmingham, Alabama, and she has done some real collaborative community building, um, which has just been wonderful. And um, um, Emily Hernandez is at Cal State Los Angeles, and she has done some real community partnerships with parents with schools to get them uh, you had talked before about um, families who were kind of mistrustful about um, coming into schools and for, certainly for disenfranchised populations that have been many generations full of institutionalized racism um, historic kinds of um, are, are justifiably mistrustful about coming into schools um, and they consider schools to be school teachers and principals responsibility, but we know as systems thinkers that it really takes all of those elements to really raise a healthy kid. Um, so so we're, we're really trying to promote that. And so with the TIN, we're doing um, these, these uh, um, workshops, these four workshops a year. We also have a newsletter to highlight people who are doing wonderful things, and then we have the conversation board where we can be in touch with each other. And our, our hope is just to do a lot more rich cross-fertilization and to be able to address um, collectively, some of the constraints that are coming up, and then to um, you know take these these conversations to our meetings here at AMFT.
0: Uh, yeah, I think it's wonderful. It's I mean I'm excited about all of the uh, topical interest networks. They're all in some way will be kind of built into the podcast over the next weeks and months. If somebody wants to join, because we also talk about you. You have been a great leader and a pioneer in this field of MFT in schools, but it's all about also growing the next generation of leaders. If I wanted, if I am passionate about this and I've joined the the Special Interest Network as far as getting involved in the leadership uh, as far as your committee, what is the pathway to do that, Kathy?
1: Okay. Well, there um, there are four members of our executive team, um, and um, I'm I'm only one of the four as the chair. Um, Laura Caspro is our secretary. She is downstairs at the booth right now. Um, Laura Wallace is our treasurer. She is in Washington, but she trained in Connecticut, um, and so she is. Um, she's done some really wonderful work. She is here at the conference too. And Eileen Klima uh, is our um, uh, member at large she's our team member and she's in upstate California and she will be one of our workshop presenters um, um, and so um, she's she's our our, our uh, zoom yeah she's um, going to be talking about Humboldt County they um, did a wonderful video of Humboldt County which is one of the drug capitals of the world I didn't know about it um, but she took that to Oxford and presented so we um, we've got her um, her video and we're going to be using that um, in our uh, Zoom meetings that we're doing, so I think I think um, to get involved is is really to learn and to exchange, and the way to do it uh, we is to come to the conferences. I just met a wonderful woman from Alabama, and I want to introduce her to this other woman that I just met from Oxford. So it's the cross fertilization, it's the meeting up um, at meetings, it's being it's participating. Um, we are um, executive team, and by the way, I forgot Erin Cushing, who is the chair elect. I will be. Chair- for another year and then Erin will take over as leader and she's the one who has ordered all the beautiful um, uh, table materials and giveaways. We're going to have a raffle tonight uh, to give away some of the books that are good about schools. So it's, I think it's, it's really about marketing um, and getting to know each other and doing this cross-fertilizing.
0: Yeah, the other thing—I mean, we're relational people as MFTs, and face-to-face will always be important. But you know, through technology, yeah, we can rural Wisconsin or wherever you're saying. I can link up to someone from Connecticut or California or Kentucky where I'm from. And so, Mm -hmm. I think another advantage of this is if you're an MFT in a school setting to share resources that work. And I think the uh, kind of the platform uh, of this of the topical interest network lets you do that. Uh, I'm also—you've been very helpful to AMFT or you—you do. Supervision training it, for the supervisors. Many supervisors will listen. AMFT approved supervisors will listen to this podcast. Sometimes the challenge is, is supervising if you or you're yourself not in that setting. You're supervising someone on the way to licensure. How do you help in your training? How do you help supervisors um, supervise uh, therapists in training that are in school settings?
1: Great question. We just had our supervisory refresher yesterday here at the conference, and uh, it is one of the the things that. That makes me really passionate about continued um, this certification as supervisors that double um, uniquely does among the mental health professions um, it's a very rich uh, kind of uh, refresher and it's absolutely critical that we do it because um, with mo- with movement of MFTs into medicine, the military, schools, doing trauma work, all the new initiatives that are coming down the pike, um, there are going to be many times when supervisors have not been trained in those modalities, in um, innovative um, sorts of things. So, um, one of the things that um, we've we've worked together as a supervisor trainers of our both the online and the in person uh, refreshers is that we've added more literature about supervising and these new settings, because it's critical that people know that in order to do that. And if they have not had experience with it, um, I can share with you that my um, dear friend and colleague, Linda Schwally, who supervises this wonderful Kimberly-, Kimberly Welk up in Wisconsin and really turned us on to her, um, had not trained in schools. Linda had trained as a nurse originally. But what she knows a lot about is working with systems that are new, that are um, that may not be as, as warm. Um, to someone who um, is not a familiar part of that system, so there there are really elements that I think um, supervisors can connect about, and particularly in rural areas where there aren't a lot of resources, um, <clears throat> it is one of the reasons why we're doing this topical interest network. Um, a lot of the online training that we're doing, so we can reach those people and do and connect. So it's it's really a two-way street, I think, to to help uh, supervisors train more in these new modalities. Like Schools. We've got a couple of articles. We've got my book, and um, uh, Laura Wallace has done a, our treasurer has done a wonderful job about um, compiling a bibliography. So we're housing that in the TIN library as well. So we're doing as much as we can to really educate people um, and to really build the plane as we're flying it.
0: When you think of. You know, so much has happened in the, your four decades in this profession. Obviously, the rise of the MFTs and in schools interest network for MFT is a big deal. Let's play this out. This is my last question. When we project this out five, 10 years in the future, this takes off. Where do we need to be as a profession as far as advocating for MFT? in the schools what is the next hurdle or milestones where you'd like to say we are able to get to
1: well we are experiencing some of that now Um, family therapists are joining school systems in three different ways one is certified MFTs in schools Um, in Connecticut we worked for 10 years to create that school certification for MFTs Um, and um, it's it's now 10 years old but one of the things we're encountering now is that there are still many systems that don't know about marriage and family therapy and um, have um, had very strong lobbying uh, from the fashion the other mental health professions to not include new members so I think that will be an ongoing um, battle um, I think that that some people are you are, uni- are sort of innate systems thinkers and enjoy creating new one of the things we did when we passed the law in Connecticut was we looked at who um, um, we looked at who knew about marriage and family therapy in schools. The people that knew the most about us um, were the other mental health groups um, and the directors of special education. The people that wanted us the most in schools were administrators. The people that knew the least about what we did were school administrators. So we, I think that a lot more work needs to be done and continued work. um, And once we accomplished this case. We've actually had some um, cases, there's one that's, that's active now, where the school system was very interested, and they were then forbidden uh, by um, their superiors uh, from um, hiring and interviewing an MFT that they, they re, re-advertise the position for social work. Um, so I, I think we're gonna see some of those things and I think we're gonna need to continue to educate ourselves about ways to enter these new systems. Um, I think that's gonna be a job for MFTs in schools for a long time.
0: Well said and there's certainly much work still to be done, but uh, you've done a lot of good things. Tell us uh, before we go here one more time about the book, um, where they can get it and what they will find in there, because it is probably the gold standard of resource as far as MFTs interfacing with school systems. So tell us about the book.
1: Well, there are actually several books um, that are coming out. I'm, I'm very pleased to say, um, because I think the the literature is beginning to emerge. Um, so I think that that's good. And I, I wrote the book I did um, about building multidisciplinary teams in schools, a systems approach is what I call it. Um, and it's about learning about the culture of schools and developing a skill set, um, understanding education law and understanding the context of where MFTs fit. Um, so that's that's really what the book is about. But uh, Brian Girard has just come out with another one this year. Um, and uh, it's, it's got a date of 2020. Um, and I got a desk copy of it uh, when I was um, in, at Oxford. But there there are more and more books. I just had a, um, a chapter that I co-wrote with a, a counselor counseling psychology or a counseling uh, colleague, and it's a book for counselors about working with the multi-tiered systems of support. So there are many books that are coming out, but mine was um, a couple of years ago, and uh, it's really learning how to think systemically and how to apply it to schools.
0: Wonderful. So again, I can't thank you enough for being a part of this. And again, easiest way to join the MFT in school uh, interest network is, you know, if you're at a national conference uh, once a year at AIMFT, it's, they'll sign you up on the spot, but you know, you don't have to wait till your membership cycle is over. You can join midstream. You just go to amft.org and you look at the topical interest networks, of which there's about seven now, as I said. And and you can join midstream and all those wonderful things, the four Zoom conferences, um, the kind of networking with people, the sharing of resources, a wonderful, wonderful thing. Thank you so much for being on the podcast, Kathy.
1: Oh, thank you. It. And please contact me directly if you yes, need to. Yes, the easiest way to reach you. Um, at Kathleen at... Laundi.net.
0: Perfect. Thanks so much. Eli, back with you. If you want to know more about the Family Therapist in Schools Special Interest Network, or Topical Interest Network, as we call it within the new AAMFT, as we said during the interview with Kathy, you can go to AAMFT.org, Engage and Network tab at the top. You pull down to Topical Interest Networks, There you will see family therapists in schools. And as we mentioned, those benefits include monthly e-newsletters, various networking professional development events, advocacy efforts to educate legislators and school administrators about what MFT is, and the promotion of overall systemic and school-based clinical services. Uh, There was a great Zoom uh, conference in march of 220 around uh, the introduction to the oxford symposium and school-based family counseling, and there'll be more to come as i said at the top you can join uh, at the beginning of your renewal process if you're a clinical fellow student preclinical fellow and you can also join mid-renewal so at any time if you heard this podcast and you piqued your interest please go to amft.org and sign up today also, you know, AMFT is your one-stop shop for continuing education. And the online educational platform for AMFT is known as Tenio. You've heard us talk about it many times. So you go to Tenio, you click on Schools, and there you will see a lot more from Kathy Londy. She is a frequent And very innovative and exciting presenter at AMFT conferences. So, for example, when you click on that school tab, you can get CEUs and listen to Kathy talk about multidisciplinary school teams and complex student needs. You can also hear her talk about trauma and school behavior from a systemic point of view. We love hearing from you on the podcast. As always... Uh, go to wherever you listen to your favorite podcast—Google, Stitcher, Spotify. I prefer Apple Podcasts. Please subscribe, like, and leave us feedback. It's it's really cool to uh, see those comments and watch the AMFT podcast rise to the ranks of mental health podcast. You can get a hold of me. You can email me directly info at elikaram.com E-L-I-K-A-R-A-M dot com You can reach the AMFT at communications at aamft.org Follow us on Twitter AMFT is at the AMFT I'm at Dr. Eli Live As always Until next time my friends Stay Systemic